0: If you have your Bible, though, grab uh, your if you don't have one, grab one there in the pew rack. We want everyone to have the word of God open before our hearts. And uh, so we'll hear the living God speak to us. We're in First Timothy, chapter one today. If you want to take your Bible and be turning there, First Timothy, chapter one. And as we're turning there, Paul's going to give us his testimony in just a minute. I hope you have a testimony this morning, a testimony of what God has done in your life. And as you think about that for a moment, your testimony uh, I want to remind you of a phrase that I know we've heard numerous times. I don't know if, uh, how often you hear this, but have you ever heard the phrase, seeing is believing? I mean, seeing is believing. Often, we hear that <clears throat> concerning something that's pretty fantastic or awesome. In fact, it's just too too incredible to believe. And, and we will say, hey, i got to see that with my own eyes. Or today, in this age, if we share something with somebody, what we say to them is, hey, what, can send me the link, right? show me the video I, I want to see it for myself and when you stop and think about you know court cases and the how way lawyers make their cases uh, oftentimes they marshal all kinds of evidences but it's the eyewitnesses that they depend upon and and getting them to corroborate all the facts and and then to present their case and make their case and it, and, and 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 it really matters who witnessed who saw what happened and yet it's amazing when you stop and think about our walk of faith and God proving the case for himself, right? Because the God that we worship isn't seen. What evidence do you and I have? Have we seen him? Have we beheld him? Our walk of faith doesn't depend upon what is seen. Actually, it depends upon what we hear. You see, we have faith in a God that we can't see. Uh, the unseen God, the God who is invisible, and yet this is challenging for us because we are sensate creatures. We depend upon our senses. We we depend upon images so much so in our culture. Our screens are filled with icons and images, and and we we're ca- concerned about you know the pixelation of our phones because we want the sharpest image possible, and that's why we all upgrade to iPhone fifteen, right? Those images once filled books, they filled literature, and and now they, they filled televisions and movie screens, and now our, our phones and billboards. Just think about this. Once they were just words, but now they're they're screens, right? Conveying messages and giving us images. We we lived for what we can see with our own eyes. And while fallen man makes God's into images and idols Uh, we try to put his image into something we can get our eyes and our minds around and yet the amazing thing is the God who made us made us in his image you see images are powerful and God knew that and that's why he warned his people about the power of images because when you look at that image it brings something to mind oftentimes we would hope that the image would bring something admirable Something praiseworthy, something that would be honorable uh, to worship. But they don't always do that. And see, the images, they have the ability to shape us. Here we are thinking, the irony of it all, that, that we shape the image and we craft it, we cultivate it, we make it. And the sad thing is, God's warning to us is, is be careful what you worship, what you make into an image, because you will become like that image. And yet God wants us to be made into His image. That's what He made us for. And yet we stop and we think, this God is invisible. What image is He? How can you see Him? You you can't see Him. This isn't some Marvel superhero characteristic, okay? God being invisible. No, no, it's a critical attribute that frankly is often overlooked because we don't really stop and think about that. The God that we worship, He isn't seen today. He's spirit. We don't see Him. Praise God, he has heard. In fact, it's that hearing that enables us truly to see. The true and living God is spirit. He's without physical form, he's incorporeal. He doesn't have a body. You can't embody him in any way. Uh, but though invisible, he is capable of manifesting himself with visible representations only when it suits his purpose. And what God commands us is to make certain that we make no image, we make no idol, no likeness of Him because we can't define Him. He defines Himself. And the God that we worship, He he affirms this over and over again that He is invisible. We read a passage in 1 Timothy, in a moment we'll read several others. And and I'm going to walk you through 1 Timothy and, and other passages of Scripture just to see how this unseen God makes Himself seen to us. So that we can have a relationship with Him. And then there's the promise, the hope that one day we'll see Him face to face. In the New Testament, the Greek word for invisible is aortis. And it means to be unseen. It means it's an alpha privative on the, on the beginning of a verb, which means to look at, to see. And so it negates that. You cannot see. Yeah, I know some people are saying, now, hold on, Pastor Chris. There are people in the scriptures who, who say they saw God. And how do you reconcile that with the visions, the manifestations of God's glory, his presence there? I mean, doesn't that contradict this truth that God is invisible? No, God is spirit and without physical form. That's his essence. That's who he is. However, he can, he is capable of manifesting a visible representation when that suits his purpose. He did that numerous times in the Old Testament. I mean, his presence was in the pillar of fire, the pillar of cloud. But we wouldn't say the pillar of cloud was God. No. But his presence was seen in some way. Even those who went up on the mountain, 74 of them. Saw God in some way. But, but God is invisible. How do you reconcile this? At times God chooses to reveal himself. He's light. He makes himself known. We've learned that already. And these visible things aren't always God. But God is without form. He's invisible as spirit. But it's important to understand that as human beings we're longing, we're prone to, to look for this visual representation and, and then identify that that's God. And yet that's why idols are so prevalent. And it's also why God warned his people with the second commandment, don't cut out an idol. You see, that image, if we're not careful, if we try to put the unseen God in some seen image, we have to be very careful lest we become like it. Paul's giving his personal testimony here in 1 Timothy chapter 1. I want you to read it with me from verses 12 through 17. What's fascinating is what he says about the unseen God that he met. <laughs> Stop thinking about that for a moment. He didn't see God. He was looking for him, but then on the Damascus Road, he saw him. He had an experience with him. And he relates, listen, what Christ did in his life. We should all have a testimony like this. Aren't you grateful today for what Christ has done in your life? Well, I want you to see how Paul gives his testimony and then we focus just on that last verse that we read just a moment ago and really on that one word. And we're going to walk through some verses in Scripture and just see and think and meditate and think about how do I see the unseen God and how should that shape me and mold me to be all that He wants me to be. Stand with me and honor the word of the Lord. As we hear Paul affirm his testimony that God is invisible, but he saw Him. He says, I thank God, verse 12, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who has enabled me because he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Although I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an insolent man, or a violent aggressor. But I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant with faith and love, which are in Christ Jesus, this is the faithful saying, deserving all worthy of all acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners among whom or of whom I am chief. However, for this reason, I obtained mercy that in me first Christ Jesus might show all long suffering as a pattern to those who are going to believe in him for everlasting life. Now to the king, eternal, immortal, invisible. To God alone, who is alone is wise, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Father in heaven, God, may we understand what Paul is teaching us today in his own personal testimony. God, may our hearts be enraptured with just who you are and what you're like and the fact that you make yourself known to us, Lord, even though you're invisible and unseen. God, may that truth that we see today, God, may it change us. God, there may be some who came in today and they've not seen you. But God, may they see your unseen hand today. May they see the effect of the Spirit working on their heart. May they see that you are wooing them, drawing them to you. So that they repent and believe and place their faith and trust in Jesus Christ as Lord and as Savior. And we'll give you all the glory and all the honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Paul is relating here his gratitude and his personal testimony for what the invisible God did in his life. Remember, it was on that road to Damascus. He was there. Others were with him. He saw God. They didn't. He saw the unseen God. He heard the unseen God. They only heard thunder. Thunder. He saw him in such a way that his life was radically changed. So changed that here he just writes his testimony. And I love, I'm not going to preach on how to have a personal testimony, but if you ever want to do that, you can just walk through and just underline in here, Christ Jesus, Christ Jesus, Christ Jesus, Christ Jesus, or Jesus Christ our Lord. Four times he'll say it. He'll say he's grateful for what Christ Jesus has done. Praise the Lord. I'm thankful for what Jesus has done in my life. I, I, I've i seen the unseen God. I've seen him by faith. I've seen What he says to me in his word. Paul says, I'm satisfied with the grace and the mercy. It was more than abundant, exceedingly abundant. It was more than enough, praise the Lord, what Jesus has done. He was certain of it. It's a trustworthy statement, deserving all acceptance. Everybody should believe this, Paul says. It's true. Christ has come to save a sinner like me. The worst of all. The bottom of the bucket, you might say. And because of that, he was yielded to Christ's work in him. Why? So that he could be a pattern so that others might see and believe. But they wouldn't see him like Paul did, but they would see God in him. They would see Christ in Paul, and that would give them the hope of glory. You see, the unseen God makes himself seen for us so that others can see him in us. It's Paul Paul's saying. But do others see God in you and me? I mean, it's a real question for us today. If we're made in his image, though marred now by this fall, as redeemed individuals, does God want others to see us, see us, or see him in us? You see, Paul, he, he relates his testimony, and then he has a little spell, right? He just has all these attributes of God. He, just, he has a little doxology of singing and praising his king that, that the Olds just sang about, the king eternal, the immortal one, the invisible one, to God who alone is wise, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. You see, this is that term, invisible, aortis. You can't see him. He's not there. I mean, he's there, but, but you don't see him. And all these attributes are just a testimony, a reminder of the type of God that we worship today. Paul would later tell Timothy in this same epistle over in chapter 6, if you flip over there, reminding him to to fight the fight, to be faithful, to to have a good testimony. He urges him over in chapter 6, verses 13, I urge you in the sight of God, the unseen God, who gives life to all things. And before Christ Jesus, who Witnessed the good confession before Pontius Pilate that you keep this commandment without spot, blameless until the Lord Jesus Christ's appearing, which he will manifest in his own times. He who is the blessed and only potentate, the King of kings and Lord of lords, watch this, who alone has immortality, dwelling in unapproachable light, whom no man has seen or can see. To be honor and everlasting power. Amen. I mean, what's fascinating is here. He says, "Listen, God isn't seen. He can't be seen, and yet Jesus was seen, seen by Pontius Pilate. He, he's going to be seen. It is appearing. He he will manifest that, make it seen in his own time. I mean, the irony of all this, right? The God who is unseen will be seen, and has been seen by individuals, but has he been seen by you and me? Is my life a testimony to others?" And I've seen the living God, the true and living God. You see, John would say over in First John, something quite similar to what Paul would say. First John chapter 4, verses 12 and 13. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. But by this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he's given us his spirit. God is spirit, he's invisible, but his spirit dwells within us. And, and as we love one another, as we love those made in God's image, we bear witness that we've seen the one true God, but no one can see him. I mean, this is the irony of it all. Stop and think about this. How can you say you love God whom you have not seen if we don't love the brother that we do see? You see, you and I, you see, sorry, we have a responsibility to bear witness That we have seen the invisible God. Well, how does that happen? How do you love what you have not seen? How how do you love someone, something who's invisible? Who's not evident to your senses? Well, you're right. To our physical senses, we don't see him. We don't hear him in that way. But by faith, we worship the God that we've never seen. Now, we want to see him. Our eyes want to see him. Moses wanted to see him. God, just show me your glory, right? I just want to see you. I mean, that should be our heartbeat. But God's invisible. But he's not playing hide and seek. This isn't some little game. No, no. He's present. His spirit not only is everywhere, because he's omnipresent, but but his spirit will dwell within us. And God reveals himself to us. And, and, And when we stop and think about that, how do we see him, Pastor Chris? The God who is invisible. Now here's the amazing thing. We see Him in four different ways. We see Him in creation. His evidence is all there. He is bearing witness of Himself. Psalm 19 uh, verses 1 through 6 says it this way. The heavens proclaim the glory of God. The skies display His craftsmanship day after day. They continue to speak. Wait, wait, wait. Night after night they make Him known. They speak without a sound or a word. Their voice is never heard. Yet their message has gone throughout all the earth. Their words to all the world. Everywhere the sun runs its course when it rises and goes through the sky. And when it sets, wherever its rays fall on the earth, all around this globe. It's amazing. It's speaking. And yet there's no words. It's shouting. It's declaring. Well, what's it saying? It's amazing. The unseen God is revealing himself. He's showing something about himself. And Paul Paul would say it in Romans 1 this way. The invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen. What's clearly seen? His eternal power. His divine Godhead. The creation is screaming. There's an almighty God who made all this. Do you hear him? Do you see him? His Godhead, his divine, his deity is present. It's evident. And the God is trying to make himself known. Now, the point is is, is that the power and the divinity of the Creator are made known. The maker of all things is trying to make himself known. He's done that in in a glorious way. It's kind of like. You know, when a, when a painter paints something or a piece of work, some artist, he, you know, he paints in, in such a way, a Rembrandt, right? And, and you look at that and, and you see the, the work of art, you see the masterpiece, and you see something of the genius and the essence of the, of, of the one who painted it, who formed it or fashioned it. It's the same way with, with architects. When they, when they build buildings, you go, wow, look at that. And the architect is relating something about himself, Paul is saying, listen, God's creative work is testifying. The creator is showing us, trying to reveal himself to us in so many ways. And yet I'm blown away by this when I read over in Hebrews 11.3. This is what fascinates me over there in that great chapter of faith. And we're going to allude to it in just a moment, even in more ways. But listen to what it says in Hebrews 11.3. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word God of God. Listen, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. The unseen God took some unseen stuff and made the stuff that we see. I mean, just imagine our faith is so dependent on do we see Him or not? And what do we see about Him? I mean, we see Him in creation. He's trying to reveal something about Himself. We see Him in the Canon, the the corpus of God's Word. From Genesis to Revelation, God is revealing Himself. He's hoping that you and I see Him. And you say, well, I see words. I don't see a picture of Him. No, 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 no. The senses by which we see Him are not our eyes. It's ears. It's the ears of our heart. It's hearing God speak. I know that sounds weird, children. But remember, we worship a God who is heard not seen. This was the warning over in Deuteronomy chapter 4 and chapter 5. The, the God who spoke from the fire that you don't see. Now see, all the nations that surrounded God's people, all of them, even the one that they had been delivered from, the bondage of Egypt, they worshiped idols. They had tons of them, hundreds of them that they worshiped. And God was warning His people, I'm not like them. i not like their gods. Don't, you can't, Cut out an idol, the second commandment. You can't cut out an idol, an image of me. I'm the unseen God. I am not limited in these ways. And, and, and even there, remember what happened when Moses was even on the mountain at Mount Sinai. As he's up there with the unseen God, right? Getting the commandments from him. And hearing him speak with all that thunder. And the people are down on the ground and what do they say? Uh, yo, Aaron, could, could you like make us an image? Of, could you make us an idol? Of the God that delivered us and they gave their gold they gave their earrings they gave their and they took that and they formed it and fashioned it what Aaron give them golden calf bow down and worship the God who delivered you oh my you can't do that with the unseen God God is warning us about the limit of idols and they can never fully express him he's not bound in any way to a physical body He's spirit. He's invisible. But what he does do is he reveals himself in his word. He speaks. Now this is critical. This is what's critical for us to understand. The invisible God uses eyes of faith to see him. This is how the patriarchs did it. This is how early believers did it. What is faith? Hebrews chapter 11. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. You don't always see the God who speaks. You don't always see what God is saying He's going to do that speaks. I mean, stop and think about all these who walk by faith. They believe the worlds were created so that what is seen is made by the things not seen. I mean, stop and think about Noah, right? Hey, Noah, I want you to build a boat. Why? It's going to rain. I ain't never seen it rain. That's right. It's going to rain a lot. You better build a big boat, right? Right? And what did Noah do? By faith. He trusted God. He took him at his word. And he saw the flood that was coming because he trusted in God. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, what did they do? Hebrews chapter 11 tells us, you know, they were, they were living and walking towards a city they'd never seen. An eternal city whose builder was God. And they walked by faith. Even Abraham, stop and think about when he was in Ur of the Chaldees, and you stop and think about this unseen God who spoke to him and said to him, Abraham, get up from this country where you're at and go. Where? Well, somewhere you've never seen. And by the way, well, how do I get there? Well, I'll give you a map. I can just imagine him pulling out one of them AAA maps, right? And you stop and you think, you know how big they are, right? I mean, now we got GPS on our phones and we don't need AAA, right? Yeah, right. And you pull that map out, and you stop and just think about the map that he looked at, and there was nothing on either side of that map. Where am I going? My voice will tell you where to go. Just follow me. And so what did Abraham do? Everywhere he went, he went and he pitched his tent, and what's the other thing he did? Built an altar. And there he built an altar to worship God. He walked, pitched his tent, built an altar. And I just imagine, use my sanctified imagination every now and then, and I stop and think to myself, I wonder what would happen if maybe some resident of that location, that local village, that area where he was at, just came up sometime and said, hey there, what's your name? Abram, nice to meet you. That's a nice camp you got there. What year is that model? You know, can I get one of them things and want to trade? What's this you're building here? Well, that's an idol. I mean, that's an altar. Oh, really? To who? Who's your God? Can I see him? Here's, here's mine. Here's a little idol I carry around. Here's mine. What's your God look like? Oh, I'm sorry, you can't see him. He's not seen. But I know he's spoken to me, and he's told me this land is mine, and for my children, my seed. Wow, you don't see your God? Nope. Woohoo! Right? And, and you're going to have children, a many nations. Your name's Abraham, father of many, and he got zero children. Woohoo! Yeah. You see, you walk by faith, not by sight. We don't see the unseen God, and yet we hear Him speak. And that's why we walk by faith, trusting in what He said. If you go down through that chapter, here's where you find the other reference to God being invisible. Another instance of it in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 27, when it talks about the faith of, of Moses. And there with the faith of Moses, it's interesting what it says because he had it all. I mean, he had all the riches of Egypt, everything you could imagine. And and he was just, wow, who would walk away from all this? And yet what's fascinating there is what he says to him. By faith, Moses, when he was born, hidden three months to his parents because they saw he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's command. But by faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Then this verse. Esteeming the reproach of Christ's greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. For he looked for the reward or to the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king. For he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Moses Endured. All, when did he see God? Well, he saw him at that burning bush, but he didn't see him. I mean, it was the holy ground. That bush wasn't God, right? But it was, there was, God was in the bush in some way. But he endured based on what he saw. He, he endured and was willing to forsake this world and the passing pleasures of sin and everything this world has to offer. Why? Because he saw God, the unseen God. Now, this is why it's important when you go through that whole chapter and you see the, the evidence of things not seen and how people believed and just took God at His word. The, the fathers, the, the fathers of faith and, and all those others. Stop and think about this for a minute. Why then in chapter 12 does it encourage us and implore us? Therefore, because we've got this great cloud of witnesses, Let's lay aside every weight, every encumbrance, and run with endurance the race set before us. Watch this. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. You see, the life of faith that we run now, we run looking for the unseen God. And how do you do that? We look for Jesus. Where am I going to see Jesus? Right here. In this word. I look in this word. This is a faithful testimony. It reveals who Jesus is. And and as he reveals himself, I look for him. In fact, what's fascinating, there were people who studied the scriptures and they were looking for God. And he told them, you know what, diligently you search those things and they point to me. And they missed him, even though he was right before him. In fact, what's fascinating is is when God wanted to reveal himself... His plan, even from the beginning, was to make man in his image because he was going to feel that image. The image that he would feel to represent himself, to manifest himself, because he's unseen. But when he chose to do that for his purposes, I mean, it's John who says over there in John chapter 1, right? In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word did what? It became flesh and dwelt among us. And then he says this, no one has seen God at any time. Verse 18, John 1. But the Son, the only begotten Son, who is in the bosom of the Father, He has declared Him. Now that word declared means this. what The Father, Jesus, exegeted Him. What what does it mean to exegete something? It's two Greek words. It means something speaks out to us. We don't read something into the text. That's eisegesis. We read something into it that it doesn't mean. No, no, no. It's exegeted. The, the meaning comes out. Jesus was in the bosom of the Father. And when he came and spoke, God spoke out to us and said, here I am. And the unseen, invisible God made himself seen. And he, we beheld him, uh, John would say, full of glory and truth. You see, that's what the scriptures enable us to do to see Christ to see Jesus in fact Hebrews Paul who writes Hebrews uh, chapter 1 verse 3 says the Son radiates God's own glory and expresses his essence who he is Paul would write over in Colossians Jesus is the image of the invisible God the God whom you can't see Jesus is the icon you want to see what God looks like look at Jesus now, the God of this world, Paul would say over in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. If I want to see the invisible God, I've got to see Him, not only in creation, it's not a complete manifestation of Him. It doesn't tell me everything about Him. It tells me a little bit about Him. I can look in the Scriptures, and in the Scriptures... They're going to show me Jesus. That's the one I should be looking for. That's how I run the race of faith. I need to see Him. He's the image of God. He is the manifestation of God. The full, complete embodiment. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And you know what's fascinating? All these who saw Him, John, right? 1 John chapter 1. What we have seen and heard, our eyes and, and, have hand, and our hands have handled the word of life. What's fascinating is, When you read all these eyewitness testimonies, they walked with him three years. They saw him. They saw him risen from the dead. And yet when they describe him, they don't really tell us what he looks like. You stop and think about the history of mankind. We all want an image of Jesus, a likeness of Jesus. I mean, I've been over in in Europe and seen the great cathedrals. I've seen some of the old mosques that have been converted that once were houses of worship and and you see these images of Christ that are painted and what's fascinating there is when someone says Jesus something comes an image comes to our mind it appears in our mind what he looks like now here's the root awakening just so you're aware your idea is incorrect and so is mine why because God's invisible when, when we paint those images, when 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 they draw our version of Jesus, an artist depicts it. What do they do? They render something that looks like them, features that are prominent to their own ethnicity. Oftentimes, right? I mean, what color is he? God is spirit; he doesn't have a color. I can tell you what the color is. It's glorious. <laughs> Amen. It's bright. It's so bright, it's unapproachable light. It can't be seen. He's invisible in that way. But see, they could have told us, couldn't they? Well, John did, a little bit. He met him on the Isle of Patmos, the risen Lord even there, right? And what did he write about him when he saw him there? Well, you know, his hair was you know, white like wool, and his eyes were kind of fiery, and his feet were burnished in bronze, kind of like burnished bronze, and he had a, like a, something like a white robe, right? But he couldn't tell us everything. Oh, everything was like, 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 like. You couldn't put it into words to describe even meeting Jesus there on the Isle of Patmos. And all the, th- I mean, if anybody saw him, Isaiah 6 saw, I saw the Lord high and hoth lifted and, and, and his train filled the temple of his robe, right? And What did he see? He tells us more about the description of the angels than he does the description of God. Think about that for a moment. But there's something essential he told us about God that you have to capture from that passage. And you know what? I'll tell you what he looks like. Holy, holy, holy. The God who is unseen. This is the amazing thing. He, he, we don't know his facial bone structure and his hair color. and, and, and don't, don't become comfortable with that image. That's not the image you want. The image he wants us to see of him in Scripture are all these attributes. This is who I am. Why? Because this is my essence. This is what you have to put your faith in. I'm your great reward. This is how I reveal myself. Take me at my word. Listen to what I say. Choose to believe and put your faith in me. And that is the image of the invisible God that we're to capture in our hearts and in our minds. With the hope one day, praise God, He's coming. And as John says, we'll see him as he is. But my walk of faith, your walk of faith, is not dependent upon this sight of the invisible God. No, no, it's dependent upon what I hear the invisible God say. Because our walk of faith requires that I hear him speak. Without faith comes by seeing. No, that was doubting Thomas's problem, right? Hey, we saw him! we put our hand in his... Uh, we saw him. No, unless I put my hand in his side and I touch his nail prints, I ain't believing. And he did. My Lord and my God, he said, right? And he said, oh, Thomas, blessed are those who haven't seen and yet believe. You see, God is trying to make himself evident to us. He's revealing himself. He's, he's showing us and then, why does he do that? Well, you see, as a believer, when I take him by faith and, and listen to his word, what's amazing is I'm, I'm made in the image of God, but when I'm reborn and, and saved, now God has another purpose. And listen to what this is Romans chapter 8, verse 29. According to Paul, God's work in, in our life through faith is now to conform us to the image of Christ. For those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son in order that we might be the firstborn among many brothers. I mean, we're to be conformed to the image of the invisible God. How do you conform to the image of the invisible God? You get conformed to the image that represented him, and that's Jesus. That's why Paul would say elsewhere, listen, I am crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me, and the life that I live in the flesh I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I died a self that, that... Jesus might be manifested in me. How's that happen? By his spirit. And so God wants, listen, the unseen God should be seen in us. Paul said, I, I'm a pattern for others to believe. I had an experience. I saw the unseen God. I heard him speak, and my life was transformed. And that's a pattern for other people. You can't have the same experience walking to Damascus on a road. You can have that same experience of God, but you can experience the same God as Paul did by grace through faith. And and that's what God wants to do in this body of believers called the church. We're we're privileged, y'all. We get to manifest His presence. We get to manifest the indwelling spirit dwelling within us, it's not us, it's Christ in us. That, that We're supposed to make him known. And, and this is the greatest testimony. I mean, how can we tell them out there that we love God whom we have not seen if we don't love our brother whom I do see? This is why when, when, when we're not loving one another, something's wrong. Our testimony is greatly marred. Our testimony that that we love the unseen God. And that's why this altar is open for repentance. For us to say, God, forgive me. I'm not done what I ought to do. I've seen you, Lord. I've heard you speak. My, My eyes have seen with faith. Now, God forbade His people from making an image and worshiping the image they made because no suitable image could ever be formed by by human hands. And yet the invisible God now wants to make Himself visible and tangible in us. We're the body. We have one head, Jesus. And I know it's difficult to worship what you can't see. That's why we're prone to those idols. We're prone to make those images. And yet God hasn't given us this description of what he looks like, but he has given us plenty to focus on in all of his attributes. You can't see his eyes, you can't see his ears, you can't see him that way, but you can see him clearly by faith. And everything you and I need, he's revealed everything that we need to know him, to be known by him, and then to make him known to a world around us. But first got to see the unseen God. With faith. God, remove the blinders from my eyes. Let the light of the gospel penetrate my eyes, my heart. Show me who you are and who I am and who I need to be. Paul would say in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 6, Light shall shine out of darkness. It shines into our hearts. The light of the knowledge of the glory of God into the face of Christ. So that we can be transformed and made new. But that requires walking by faith. Are you walking by faith? Do you see, have you seen the unseen God? Have you taken the hand of the invisible God to lead you, guide you, direct you? Do you listen to the voice of the God that you cannot see? By opening his word to hear him speak. Because you can You can worship the God whom you can't see in spirit and in truth.